Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 149. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and with me once again as uh, our regular co-host is David Estrella. Jeez, this is like the second or third time that I'm back. I don't, uh, this this one feels like I'm really, really back, though, you know? Yeah, because we're uh, it's not just the special... I don't have to introduce you as, like, special mystery guest, you know, <laughs> take the hood off. Oh, my God, it's David. The mystery entrant, yeah. That's right. Uh, we, are, we are back uh, on our regular bullshit here, talking about anime, manga, and video games with our, our two regular co-hosts. Uh, it is a f- about a week before, a little less than a week before Thanksgiving... We are continuing to hole up at home like everybody should do, not uh, not <laughs> flying around the country. Please don't do that. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, it's been really bad here in New York, like people trying to like leave New York. Everybody's queuing up for the those COVID tests because you can't really get any, anywhere. Yeah, I'm not traveling. I would rec- incur- I mean, well, this is going to come out after Thanksgiving. So people will, will have made their choices, but there are more holidays coming and I would encourage everybody, please stay home, stay safe. Uh, do do a do a Zoom call with your family or something. That's what I'll be doing. We've got a lot of holidays coming up. But uh, we've got some some anime manga games to talk about to, to tide you over while you're at home. Uh, we've got we're going to do this episode. We're going to do some news, a bit of anime and uh and video game news there and we're uh we're doing our our regular you know queue segment we'll be talking about stuff that we've been checking out recently a longer than usual queue because we aren't doing a review this episode uh david and i have not actually talked about uh what we've been up to for a while so we're just gonna kind of get into some stuff we've been checking out and then we have a one question right now that we'll answer at the end from uh, one of our listeners. So let's let's talk about some news. First off is first off is some very old news that uh, that I wanted to talk to David about. We have not had a chance to talk about the new Smash, um, new Super Smash Brothers DLC fighters since they came out. Uh, I think they like came out while you were on break from the show. So we <laughs> we decided to refresh my memory and then give david a, a chance to actually try out these <laughs> characters or try out fighting against try to them. fight against them but the problem is that it's you and another problem is that i don't play smash like that like you don't like you're not good at it is what you're trying to say yeah no it's not my game so yeah we we played a couple rounds before before the podcast here and uh, i mostly won you won maybe twice like twice or twice once yeah. or twice i was playing as terry who i haven't really played as very much i think i tried him out briefly but i'm like that's just not a not a franchise that i'm like super into and i'm also just not that into fighters that are like purely um you know like like traditional kind of fighting game punchy kicky guys yeah you need you need bullshit like explosions yes. and <laughs> randomness that's right falling off the damn stage that's it yeah so i was playing as steve minecraft steven minecraft or what is it? He's minecraft steve but i've you know obviously taken to calling him steven minecraft which is a much better name steven minecraft so i played as as steve and as uh as min min who i love steve i don't really like that much but min min is min min is great min she's min. from arms the game where everyone has kind of grotesque super stretchy arms min min was so good they had a name her twice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's what inaki calls me on your streams every time i show yeah, up min 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 evan minto uh yeah so I, I don't think i've talked about these but i i really like min min she's she's a like a melee fighter 
but with range because all of her her arms stretch. Like I don't know how that's fair. I'm sure there's a counter for it, but wow, I was like immediately struggling. <laughs> the counter is she doesn't have great like uh, vertical range, so she has really good horizontal range, but you can basically jump over her. But I, there's also counters to jumping because this is the the best part about her character. She's got. She's got the two arms, right? The two stretchy arms. And she can switch which arm she has, which I, I haven't played the game, but I guess that's like part of it is you can switch out your arms for different like weapons. So she has one that is light and fast, right? And one that's kind of like middle range and one that's heavy. And you can do like your down B to switch between different um, between the arms, right? So you go like, all right, I want to do like fast hits right now. And then I want to finish them off with the heavy one. But they also have other aspects to them, like that the lighter one, you can actually tilt it a little bit. So that helps counter people jumping over you. You can like tilt it up or you can tilt it down over the ledge to stop someone's recovery, which I've done before. Mm. Right. So it's kind of just got more flexibility. Yeah. There's just like, there's like instances where I'm trying to approach you, but there's that split second decision I have to make. And I felt like I was constantly making the wrong decisions as soon as I was in range. Like it was either get hit or don't get hit. And I constantly just walked into getting hit. It's a really bad idea to approach her head on because you can just shoot the the arms right at somebody, you. Somebody has to write a blog post like how to approach uh, Min Min. <laughs> oh, what, like a PUA blog post? Yeah, how to approach Min Min while she's wearing headphones. <laughs> oh boy, problematic Super Smash Brothers posts. So the other thing that's really strange about her, and I, I love that they're introducing more characters that have just really strange mechanics around them, and you wouldn't have noticed this from playing against me as Min Min, is she doesn't have traditional smash attacks. What she has is A and B are mapped onto her arms. So A uses her, whichever one, the left arm or something, the one that has, it just has like the dragon, which is the kind of like medium one. Uh, kind of in between, you know, the Goldilocks in between the the light and heavy, and then B controls the the arm that switches, and they operate exactly the same. You can do smash attacks with them, you can do light attacks with them, and so you have sort of like two things that you can both do smash attacks with, and you can alternate them. So you can be like, all right, B A, right, and you can do like a one two punch where you you know try to hit them once they maybe block it, and you immediately follow up with the second arm, and then you know hit them when they when they like drop the block. So overall, pretty good uh, additions to uh, to Smash in this Fighters DLC number two pack. Would you say? Yeah, I mean, I don't like Steve very much. Oh, I like Steve. I mean, Steve, like Steve, is like just fun to to watch. Yeah, I don't really like playing as him, but he uh, like part of the reason I don't like it is because you know it's got a pretty innovative mechanic where you have to do the mining and then you craft all your items so but when he gets he gets your... a moving pitfall like yes the, that's the best part is the mine <laughs> that's how part. that's how you got all the kills uh but what i don't like is that you should be able to craft blocks like anywhere in midair but there's like a really restricted range where you can do it and it sort of takes some of the creativity out of it like i'd love to be able to craft stuff when i'm you know about to fall off the stage but i guess they did that for balance reasons you're not just gonna build yourself a house and then save yourself from falling off the stage right 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 but the the main thing i want to kind of just like give nintendo props for here like we've complained it's you know more sword boys more fire emblem characters uh uh-huh and like this is what i wanted when we were complaining about stuff i want you know a weird arms character that redefines what a smash attack is in the game I want a character who where you just play Minecraft inside the game for some reason. 
Hopefully they're just allowed to break all the rules because it's the second fighter pack. Like with, with a lot of these games, they're, uh, I'm assuming that the retention for players is not like peak levels. Like it's not the same as when it came out, right? Well, I think Smash has pretty good retention because there's like a pretty yeah. core group of fans, you know? Better better than most games. Like there's just a lot of uh, great fighting games that have a really good first couple of months. And then after that, it's just a crater. It's like there's nobody in the lobbies. I think Smash has, yeah, Smash is pretty consistent though. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I wasn't too pleased about having DLC in Smash Brothers, but I'm I'm pretty happy with the amount of How stuff much does it cost? It's a lot of characters. I think it's maybe, what is it, $20 for each pack? So, I mean, it's... Whoa, buddy. That's like almost like a whole game. I know. It, it adds up. But I feel like I've gotten a lot of value for it because I've had a lot of fun with these characters. We'll also talk about another fighting game in a little bit when we get to the queue. Uh, let's do a little more video game news and then we'll do some anime news. Uh, the the video game news is, of course, the thing that everybody knows that we don't we don't have any personal updates on. But uh, the PS5 is out. <laughs> I think one of the last episodes you were on before you came back for Baki was us talking about the PlayStation 5. Is it is it really out? Like, does it actually like I, sometimes I just feel like people are doing this massive like trolling effort like to convince the world that the playstation 5 is real you think you're being gaslit by people about the ps5's existence the whole world like i can't believe that that thing actually exists because nobody really is able to buy one like how can you have a playstation 5 if you can't buy it well you just have to you know find when they go on sale and then sit there and refresh and click a button over and over and you would think it would be that simple you would think it would be that simple. Uh, I have not even tried yet. I There's like one or two things I'm excited about on it, but I'm just, I'm like, I have enough stuff I got to catch up on. I, I realize I host a video game podcast. And so I realize it would probably be good to have a PS5. But I just figure I'll, I'll wait a little bit until I can, uh, until I can get it a little more easily. And I don't have to put in that amount of work. Yeah, I had zero plans of buying a PS5, and then I heard my cousin, like, be really hyped today about buying a PlayStation 5 at some point. Uh, so maybe I'll have access to a PlayStation 5. Who knows? Maybe this will be the uh, the dawn of a new chapter in the Andy Gamers podcast where I play video games on a new console. <laughs> <laughs> the Switch is still a new console, right? Uh, it's probably about to not be, right? Because we've, we're getting the... We're getting the PS5 and we're getting the Xbox Series X. So there's probably going to be some kind of Switch upgrade coming soon. Oh, God. I don't want to buy another Switch. Like, I don't want to buy, like, a Switch Pro. I, well, I don't want to, but I do want to see what Nintendo does next, right? Like, because the Switch is so amazing. Yeah. Don't touch it. Well, you know, there's something that's, like, just an improvement on the Switch, right? As opposed to trying to go in some other direction. Yeah. I mean, as long as it's not, like... I mean, there are people that really like that new new Nintendo 3DS that could run a couple extra games. Like, you remember that, right? It had, I think it could even have like a second control stick. But those felt like upgrades to something that didn't really need an upgrade. Like, the 3DS felt like that was just kind of it. Like, they, there wasn't really anything left to, to improve on that. Yeah, I never got that one. Um but yeah, it's, it's a little strange to me. I don't like the idea of doing a mid-generation upgrade just because I'm I'm a little too cheap for that. I'm like, I kind of already have this console. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's like if I have to like get like a new console to run a new Pokemon, then yeah, you've got me on the hook. But otherwise, 
probably miss out on that because I like I like my Switch. I like it a lot. Yeah, they do. The, they've done that for a couple consoles, right? The PS4 has the PS4 Pro. Is it? There's no Slim for that one, is there? Yeah, no, there is a Slim. There's a Slim, and then there's a Pro. Okay, is there? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I should know that. I know about the Pro. Yeah, that's the because I think there's some. I don't. I don't think there's Pro exclusive games, but there's games that have like certain kind of graphical features and stuff that only work on the Pro. Yeah, that's another thing I'd be worried about because it seemed so uh, inconsistent with all these games that were allegedly. Yeah, we're like we're Pro compatible, and it's like you get better resolution at worse frame rate for some games, and then some other games have like the better resolution and the better frame rate. It was kind of a mixed bag, I think. But yeah, we'll we'll probably end up with PS5s one way or another. But not yet. Not yet. I, I don't have enough space yet to have, you know, a one ton white box or black box with weird white things on the side that looks like Kaiba from Yu-Gi-Oh. Not yet. Yeah. Well, I'm waiting for it to just be real, just be confirmed real. Let's let's get a PS5 sighting in the wild, and then I'll start to believe you. All right. So then, then some some anime news. Uh, we had some people in the Discord, very justifiably being excited about this one. Sentai Filmworks has licensed Kaiji for uh, for home video. This is amazing news. Yeah, very good news. I have not actually finished the Kaiji anime. I watched the first season of it, which is amazing and i'm looking forward to watching the rest at some point when i find some time for it kaiji was so good that kaiji is like uh 12 episodes a pop kind of kind of show it's like you sit down and you just watch until you're exhausted and can't take any more kaiji yeah we were talking about you know we talked about baki in the last episode and i think kaiji has some similarities in terms of like just (laughs) having kind of insane schemes the characters come up with and being this really compelling kind of stupid but also kind of like that kind of borderline between being stupid and smart right where you're like this is kind of well thought out but also dumb at the same time yeah it's like it's very soulfully stupid i think yeah it yeah is what it is but it's also like the schemes so it's like a gambling for people most people probably have heard of it uh, if you're listening to this show but it's a it's a gambling anime and yeah like a lot of the gambling schemes are pretty well thought out like the mind games in it and stuff uh, yeah, so so that is that's pretty great. Like being able to own that—that's a show that I think you can watch on Crunchyroll right now. But but actually, ha- you know, having it on home video, I think would be pretty great. Pro- I I think it's in it's Blu-ray, right? That's one of those licenses that I would have like said like not in a million years, probably never see that. Uh, but I'm really yeah, I'm really glad. Kaiji is exactly the sort of thing you want to have. Like, you know, if, if you're a fan of it, you want to own Kaiji because you want to be able to, like, show it to your friends years from now and not worry about whether it's available on streaming. Yeah, because it's like it's a very I don't want to say like niche title, but it's not it's not like a lot of other things. It's not there's no there's like no easy comparison to sell people on it other than like, oh, it's so crazy. It's like you, you've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it's not even really like like I think the the other gambling show people talk about right is Kakegurui, which I haven't seen, but I understand Kakegurui has a um there's like a there's an angle to it that you can pitch people on it's like horny high school girls do high stakes gambling right and i think there's like there's a kind of (laughs) you know the horniness or whatever different audience right and with kaiji i think a lot of people would say there's there's some horniness in kaiji as well but oh with kaiji you're like you're like uh grubby grubby gambler guys are like trapped on a boat <laughs> and, and they're they... like they're all like really grimy and dirty yeah yeah <laughs> so that's the great thing about kaiji it's like it really emphasizes the dirt uh on all these characters yeah no it's and it's really uh 
it's it's really it's kind of pretty dark and pretty pretty real it's some real shit my one of my friends who's a, a socialist organizer here uh has told me he's like there's two anti-capitalist anime and it's legend of the galactic heroes and kaiji <laughs> uh it's so timely right for kaiji to come to come back into the spotlight now now of all times yeah i think so kaiji is the anime that we deserve now is what it is yeah everybody just stop watching simulcast anime and pick up kaiji when that comes out and you can pair it with the manga available now from denpa our good friends at denpa i bought two volumes of that still haven't read it those are like the big chunky releases right yeah they're they're omnibus or they're well i don't know if they count as omnibus because there's not a there's not a U.S. like thinner edition, right? But it's it's combines it's like a bind up or whatever of the 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 of multiple books from Japan. I think two two Tonkoban. All right, so that's some news, anime and video game stuff. Uh, let's let's uh, let's talk about what we have been up to. David, you have been playing a fighting game that some people are pretty excited about. I can't believe that people are excited for this game because it's like 50 years old at this point. Uh, but the reason why we're all excited for Guilty Gear, uh, I'm going to say this all wrong, Guilty Gear XX Accent Core Plus R. I don't know what the actual like stylization on any of this is. It's got the good netcode. Now, what do I mean by the good netcode? This is so impenetrable to me. Like, I kind of get it, but it's just, it's so funny that it's like, all right, we're, re- we're releasing a special version of the game where the only thing that changed is the netcode. And I understand intellectually how that matters but it's just so funny to me that that is the exciting thing for people (laughs) well because traditionally fighting games uh because like they're so heavy on input and the timing of everything has to be like precise otherwise it just feels off like we had a lot of lag in smash right but is it like would you say you can have pretty decent matches like i don't know if like you're a stickler for all like the frames and everything i am not absolutely not like i don't know if you like you're frame crazy i'm not frame crazy i just i don't like lag a lot of people don't seem to care because they just they play on like bad wi-fi or whatever and they just accept what they can get but the truth is there there are ways uh, in which you can engineer your your network capabilities in such a way where it's like yeah this is actually kind of playable like compared to the way that people would do it before like first what is netcode i mean you sort of described it there but just i'm sure there are people who don't get it right because like you because you're so far away like and you're running the game on two independent consoles like i guess they're working sort of like servers just sending data to each other right so you're not really playing a person next to you you're playing a person like hundreds of miles away thousands of miles away and like all those interruptions and everything will kind of affect it so the netcode that they've got is called rollback netcode and what most games over here have been using up until then is called delayed netcode and the devs on this stuff had released like a video on one of their other releases because i think they've actually just been selecting a bunch of games to do this sort of thing on it's kind of voluntary and they didn't even like invent all this stuff right because this is stuff that was okay so People emulate games, right? Like if there was an old arcade fighter that you really liked, it's impossible to just get like the official board and all that stuff. But all that stuff's running off of computers anyway. So you just emulate the ROM. And part of that inspired, I guess, some creativity in these people of like be like, okay, so the way that all the networking works on like pro games, like professionally released games is kind of shit. So mm-hmm. we're going to do this thing called GGPO. And GGPO is kind of 
what you see in like a lot of like these like not official like gray area like mostly illegal releases of uh of games that you might recognize that had like they might not even have had like um any sort of network capability like street fighter 2 right like if you wanted to play street fighter 2 uh with somebody else that's not something that you can network but you can have somebody that's like really good with the computer just you know attach some uh some like netcode on it and now wow suddenly you can play people like all over the world so to clarify i think i do understand this aspect of of netcode but but again it might not be clear to people the the difference in like different kinds of netcode is just it's different logic for how to handle network interruptions, right? Because there's going to be interruptions. Right. The game can't control that. It's it's happening like on the wire somewhere. And so it's like, okay, when there's when something gets delayed or you're missing some information coming over the network, mm-hmm. how do the local clients, each person's game, handle that? And ideally, like they handle it in a way, I don't I actually don't know what like the best way is for for the end user, right? But there's, you want to do it in a way that minimizes the interruption experienced for the actual players, right? But there's missing information. So it's like, you've got to do something with it. Like, for example, like what we saw in Smash, like the game kind of just pauses and waits for the two players to catch up. So what you'll do in rollback is like whoever is further ahead um, will see the other players sort of teleport. Right. So they'll like they'll be on one side of the screen. And if there's like whatever, like an interruption for like point zero 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 one of a second or however long it is like they if they're moving, it's not going to be like laggy or like weird. It's just they're going to be everything's just going to update. to like, OK, this character is over here right now because this is like the most recent information that we've got. What you're seeing actually is like um, in uh, in Guilty Gear, to, like, to go back to Guilty Gear, what you're seeing is like you can actually like toggle it. It's like a blend of like a bit of delay and just like a bit of just having people teleport to catch up to like the latest uh, position they are in the game. The end result is just better. Like the end result is just you you have like a more like true feeling of actually playing somebody online that isn't like influenced by all like this weird dodgy delay that's go that goes on normally. That's interesting. I really that's the part I don't understand. Is like I I get the general idea that like in some cases you kind of you rectify the game state that's gotten out of sync because there's been a lack of communication, right? And so you can either, I guess in the delay case, you just wait. You just say, all right, I'm just going to not do anything because I didn't hear back from the other game soon enough. And then I guess rollback, you kind of correct one of the games, right? And say like, all right, we got new info. You're wrong. I'm going to move <laughs> this player over here and change the state a little bit. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure what the innovation is in Accent Core Plus R or whatever. And I guess the is the innovation just a smarter combination of the two, like picking the right one based on the context, that kind of thing? Like the game's pretty smart about just giving you like the automatic settings, like to tell you like this is the best possible settings. Don't change anything. But you can actually just manually like go in and be like how much delay versus how much rollback do you want? Do you want like something in the middle? Like, yeah, just like, you know, it's like... um you have to feel it out. Like what feels better for you? Because when you play a fighting game, like really intensely, every frame counts. And especially with something like Guilty Gear, which is so, it is so technical. I'm not a crazy Guilty Gear person. I've, I, the last time I played this game was like over 10 years ago on PlayStation 2. So I didn't, I didn't even play it on like a good controller or anything. And every input in there, even when I'm just playing locally, like some of the commands that you have to put in are so precise that I'm just like, I'm just dropping inputs on 
doing like regular moves. <laughs> what is it? Arc system works, right? Arxis, right, right. Like Arxis kind of, I wouldn't say dumped down, but like they've always been like refining this sort of game that came out of Guilty Gear. So they had Blaze Blue, they had um, the Blaze Tag Battle, whatever. They did the Persona 4 Fighter, and then they had Grand Blue, which I think Grand Blue now is just being developed by the Sly Games people. They also did, um, they did the Dragon Ball Fighters. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Guilty Gear, when I've, when I walked up into the <laughs> the Guilty Gear ranked matches, I didn't know what I was expecting. Oh man, I have to learn me some Guilty Gear because the amount the amount of like the just the gulf in talent between like somebody who's like, oh yeah, I like Guilty Gear, like me, versus like somebody who lived and breathed Guilty Gear for like twenty years. <laughs> oh, I've I've got friends who are big into it. Uh, one of them actually is uh, working on the or or has worked on the. Um, the i guess ggpo like like worked on the the netcode project yeah well yeah you should probably yeah you should probably like just talk to them be like you know like (laughs) just explain to me what the hell is all of this (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly (laughs) because i'm pretty sure like i don't have like the best explanation for it but i've definitely had them sit down and explain lots of fighting game things to me including trying to painstakingly teach me how to play fighters the dragon ball game because i was just like because i'm not I, I don't play a lot of anime fighters so i was just like how does this work i know how to play street fighter but i don't know how these games work yeah so that's i mean that's the exciting thing it's like finally you can have some overall really good matches in the super technical game uh so i've actually i've had a really easy time finding matches like first it was supposed to be just a like a beta like they were just trying it out, like just trying it out in a, in a public beta, like check out this thing that we are going to update the game with eventually. And now it was just so well received that they said, okay, the beta is now forever. You can just play as long as you want. And now whenever we say it's finished, then we'll do another update. Yeah, it's really cool because they they can just, I feel like they're just doing this with a bunch of old games. Like they had, um, before this was a uh, Garo Mark of the Wolves, which is a really old SNK game. Also a fighting game spinning yeah it spins off from fatal fury which terry's from that's what i was telling you like oh i'm like kind of familiar with what terry terry's deal is because i was playing him as as terry uh in in garo um garo now has good uh has good um net capabilities uh before that i think that they had some some of the old classic king of fighters games those have a bunch of different versions of them but they're like some versions like 98 and 2002 which people are really into but traditionally like these games there was never an expectation of uh being able to play like a good match online because things are just different in japan right all this stuff gets designed for like the idea of japanese internet and when you throw it out into the rest (laughs) of the world it's like whoa and and that's where like yeah like i was saying that's where the net code comes in right when you the worse the internet is the more problems there are on the network and then the more the the local clients have to compensate to make it all work so what everybody I think is really hoping is that this turns around the Japanese opinion on mm, implementing more rollback in in their games. Like I would really like to see this in Grand Blue. So far I've had really good matches in Grand Blue, but that's probably because I uh, am pretty near a hotspot for good Grand Blue players that are close by. So odds are if I log into a lobby, like somebody in this area is also playing Grand Blue and they're pretty pretty decent like got pretty decent internet they're on wired all those all those factors that can influence whether or not you have a good match 
because like having a bad online match is almost as bad as just trying to learn a fighting game through uh fighting bots it's like it's not it's not a good experience like yeah even the little bit of lag we had in smash was pretty frustrating yeah like it really took me out i was like just trying to get back into the match like mentally yeah i think especially relevant now with uh with covid also right just because a lot of fighting game players can't safely meet up to play together i remember people were joking like they had like uh back before evo was like super canceled for a variety of reasons uh when they try to do the evo online like people were just they couldn't believe that they were actually going to try to like set up matches online like what was it going to be worth to win evo online like the joke is like you can't have a decent fighting game uh online unless you're playing like mortal kombat mortal kombat was like really on on this early yeah there you have like your big side of people that are like not into that kind of game but uh, i think just like a lot of uh a lot of like devs outside of japan that were making fighting games were saying like yeah you know what Playing fighting games in America is kind of bad if you're if you're not careful about how uh, how you're actually processing all this information between the two players. Uh, so moving on to another game, game that I've been playing, I finally picked up the game everyone was talking about earlier this year, Ghost of Tsushima, which I know is up for lots of like Game of the Year awards and things like that. And uh, I have some mixed feelings on it. Uh, it. It's it's definitely a map game, as we talked about with Nathan a while back, the kind of Ubisoft style. Um, you know, you have a big map that you're exploring and you do, you know, there's just sort of mobs of enemies that you fight all over the place. Not unlike Spider-Man and all those other, you know. No, well, you really like Spider-Man, so I don't know why you're complaining. <laughs> Well, yeah, I really like that Spider-Man game, uh, and I'm, I'm looking forward to Miles Morales on PS5 when I eventually get that. So, I mean, that that's fine. I kind of like like that game genre. You know, it's a little tired at this point, I think, but it's I find it kind of fun, just like you know, running around, getting the getting the kind of um, like all the the upgrades that usually come with it, right? Like, there's usually the you know, a kind of uh, kind of combat upgrade tree that that's fun to kind of explore and customize. So all that is the case in Ghost of Tsushima. But the, the big thing that, I, you know, everybody was obviously talking about in relation to it is it's a samurai game, which we actually haven't seen that much of from like from U.S. developers. Not in forever. Yeah, we've got stuff like that from Japanese developers. Uh, the most relevant one, I guess it's about Ninja, right? Or or both is Sekiro, which I know you're a fan of. Yeah, it, that was like that's that's why it would seem so strange to me because it seemed like a very similar game to Sekiro, but as I understand it, they're not really similar. Oh yeah, so this is part of why I wanted to talk about it. I haven't played Sekiro, and you haven't played Ghost of Tsushima, but Sekiro, as I understand it, is a you know it's a, well not as I understand it. Sekiro is a Soulsborne from software game, right? It's kind of in the same vein as those games. Sort of. It's there's a lot there's a lot of similarities. You'd you'd be safe to say that. Okay. Uh. And those games are, are, are not open world or, or are not like as wide open as a Ubisoft map game kind of thing, right? Yeah, there's like actual level design. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, actual level design. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, so that's one way Ghost of Tsushima is pretty different, right? It's, it's, it's wandering around on your horse, you know. Oh, like a GTA. Finding question marks on the map and exploring. Like a Breath of the Wild. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the combat I think people have compared, I don't know how similar that is. That, that's that been part of my sticking point is just uh, it's it's actually much harder than I expected. Uh, and and I had heard it was a little hard, but like not, you know, not people being like, 
this is a game for people who like hard games, like not like a from software game. It's I don't think it's as hard as those, but I I found it I found it like surprisingly challenging because it has a lot of kind of precise um, like parry mechanics, right? Which is something I'm, I tend to not be great at. Is that is that what from software games are like? I haven't played much of them. Are they like very much about parry dodging, kind of like rock paper scissors? <sighs> yeah, depending depending on the style of play. Like what I what I see most often is that people when they try to parry in dark souls and they don't do it like the like they don't land it for like the first hour like they don't feel good about their ability to parry they just won't parry for hours and hours they won't start like actually approaching the parry mechanic until like some crazy amount of time in the game they might not even learn to parry they might just learn to just roll dodge like really good that's funny you mentioned that because that is actually what happened to me in ghost of tsushima it's a problem I tend I tend to have where if a mechanic is taught briefly, but then like I'm not given enough kind of push to use it, especially if I don't feel really confident in it, I'll often forget about it for a while and then be like, wait a second, am I supposed to be doing that? Right. And like parrying is one of those where the game taught me how to parry and then it like was too hard and it was easier to roll. And I got in the habit of just rolling instead of parrying. Yeah, like parrying is a very, I think, intimate uh it's a very intimate mechanic between like the player and their understanding of how things sort of work in the game. Like you kind of have to imagine things as hitboxes for a little while, right? Like when when is it good to parry? Like how like how close does the what I'm assuming is the enemy hitbox on their weapon like according to my window of parrying successfully? And having to make those sort of decisions like the moment you're getting hit constantly is like yeah okay it's it's a bit it's a bit much for for people on like their first uh in their first game that has like a parry mechanic like that yeah and i've played games with parry mechanics i did i think tsushima is per- particularly unforgiving when you miss a parry you know you can which is on a certain level is cool right it's a little more realistic to like yeah you got hit by a samurai sword or a yeah. you know a, a mongol sword because you're fighting fighting mongols in it mostly um, like, you know, okay, yeah, you got hit by a sword. You probably are about to die, right? You're not, you're not just like getting right back up. Uh, so it, it is pretty punishing when you get hit. The thing that I think makes it probably easier than, than like a, a Soulsborne thing is it is pretty forgiving, not forgiving enough for me, but pretty forgiving about telling you when to parry because like the, there will be a, a glowing light on the sword that tells you when, you know, and they sort of wind up their attack which seems like it would make it a lot easier, but I, I find uh, it. I'm having a lot of trouble even in the end game, uh, because mostly because there's just too many enemies, and so you've got you've got characters who will you know they'll do like a big swing, and there's these unblockable attacks, right? So they, those will have like a light to indicate, like a little red or blue light to indicate that someone's doing an unblockable attack. So the red one indicates it's unblockable and unparryable and the blue one indicates it's unblockable but parryable see this is crazy because when you're telling me this i'm like did he just play sekiro like did he just get it (laughs) sekiro does have um moves that you can't parry that are indicated by a flash behind your player character it's like um like a a kanji will, will show up and there's a there's an audio cue as well but it's not that you can't parry them is that you have to do some sort of different activity like it might be a dodge or a jump and there's a good there's a good animation tell on the on the enemy when they do it yeah the un the unparryable attacks are dodgeable 
but not parryable. So it's it's like a sort of rock, paper, scissors thing, right? Where you're like, okay, this one I parry, this one I dodge, and you have to kind of decide in the moment. Uh, and I found it surprisingly difficult because like on paper, it seems easy. I think part of it is that I'm, I have to decide based purely on the color of the light, whether it's parryable or blockable. And that feels like it's too similar <laughs> a, a signifier <laughs> Where it's like, I have to be like, okay, light, which light, uh, red, uh, dodge, right? As opposed to like a totally different signifier for whether I have to do one or the other. Yeah, this sort of, this sounds like the evolution of QuickTime events. And I was complete garbage at most QuickTime events. Like I, I would die in Resident Evil 4 so often just because I would fail. Cause like the green button looks like the blue button, which looks like the red button. They all look like buttons, right? Oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good comparison. Cause I, it feels kind of like that. And now that I'm saying it out loud, one of the things that occurs to me is that the light is, I guess because they tried to make it easier by just giving you the light, but the light is so big that it kind of distracts me from the body language of the enemy, which is what would actually potentially help me time it better. But I'm just like, okay, big blue light. Like it's kind of like a, like a four pointed star that's like on their sword. So it's obscuring some of their sword and body. That seems, yeah, that seems like a paradox where it would just be better if there was no visual, like, light flash. It was just, like, a more exaggerated animation. Like, it's kind of like in Zelda, you know? You know how, like, in Zelda, they have, like, really cartoony animations and it's like, I know exactly what I gotta do, so I'm just gonna do that. But I guess that's not realistic. And I kind of find that the, they're, they're easier to do on some level. Like, once I got the hang of it, they're easier to do in these duels. They have these very, like, cinematic one-on-one duels that you do in it for kind of, like, story scenes. And in those ones, it's a little easier because I think the camera's more zoomed in. You're focusing on one person and kind of, like, tracking their body language. It's really hard when you have multiple enemies attacking with unblockable or unparryable <laughs> attacks at the same time from different directions. Or, like, they're attacking while you're attacking someone else, right? And so then I have to, like, keep track of the light color as well as their body language while I'm attacking someone else. And I need to interrupt my attack with a parry. And, you know, all this isn't to say that I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily, like, a terrible design. Because I think there are people who are good at it. But I've just had some trouble with it. And I'm like, I want to get better at it. But I've, I've never hit the point where it feels, like the way people describe it in reviews and stuff, which is like, you know, you get to a point where it feels really graceful and like you're, you're like just perfectly executing all these moves. Well, Evan, maybe you have to self-reflect and ask yourself, am I graceful? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The game also does give you some cool weapons to kind of interrupt stuff, which I've used, but that feels like cheating. It's like you, you can throw kunai at people or like throw a smoke bomb. And I always feel it just feels really cheesy. Like, all right, throw a smoke bomb and run away. And it's like, I kind of want to like actually win and not just <laughs> cheat through it. That's another way to play, though. All's fair. It's true. No, I mean, it's it's a it's a totally fair design decision to like give people a way out. So you're not just you don't just have to purely parry all the time. You can kind of extricate yourself when there's too many enemies. Yeah, that's how I, that's actually how I'd clear a lot of like the really annoying stuff in Dark Souls, just find a way to cheese it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like a lot of it is just slash twice, run away, wait for the dragon to finish its fire breathing animation, then run back in, slash it a couple times, run away. It's like, I mean, those kind of cycles, I think, are even expected in, in this, these kind of games. I don't know how much like uh, uh, Ghost of Tsushima wants to be like a From Software Souls game. I don't know if it does. I mean, I, I people have definitely compared the combat. I think there's some similarities. It's probably more like that than it is like an Assassin's Creed game, because those games have much simpler, like, you know, blocking and parrying mechanics. 
So would you say it's more of like uh, aspiring to be an Assassin's Creed with like better fighting mechanics? I think that's what it basically is. It's it's like, yeah, it, it I mean, even narratively, it's basically an Assassin's Creed game. It's like, you know, underdog Japanese uh, are being overrun by the Mongols. Also has a bit of a nationalist streak, which I'm not too into. Uh, and like, you know, the, the main character has to he's a samurai who has to like learn to basically be effectively no one says the word ninja but he basically has to learn to be a ninja to be like you know not to always fight people in open combat but to do like stealth moves and things um and it feels like it's basically an assassin's creed game in a lot of ways (laughs) but but the combat is much more complex right and much more precise than an assassin's creed game which i i think is 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 cool and yeah it does feel like they're taking some inspiration from from software games the 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 irony though is as difficult as the combat is the stealth is very easy really the stealth is almost like that's the thing that's always like impossible in these kinds of games no i and i i just came off of playing uh ground zeros and ground zeros was way harder like trying to figure out the um you know especially because i think that that game is in, introduces some more realistic stealth mechanics and i was kind of surprised by how like the enemies in ground zeros are um like they're they notice a lot more stuff than i'm used to in a metal gear game yeah they're a bit sharper yeah and then the like i played ghost of tsushima and it's like oh these guys are so stupid like this is like <laughs> playing an older metal gear game or something where i can just totally outsmart them <laughs> They take forever to notice you, that kind of thing, right? So you're like, you can walk right up to them. They'll be like, hey, it's him. And then you can, you still can walk a couple more steps, walk up and then assassinate them. And it's like, really? <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's kind of this irony of like, yeah, I could do the stealth stuff the whole time, but I kind of want to, I, I still want to see if I can, you know, get better at the the core combat. Cause that feels like the game kind of wants you to do that more. It does have a cool, um, kind of cool mechanic that I'm very bad at, which is also basically a quick time event that's like, you can do a standoff where you you call the enemies out and then you face them like one-on-one and do a sort of quick draw thing, kind of a quick time event. But it, but you actually watch their body language instead of watching like a glowing light or something. And that I think tries to encourage you to not always do stealth, right? To like start off with a little like, you know, quick draw duel instead of starting off by just sneaking around and killing everyone. I wonder if that's like just the result of trying to balance it out and like when you're when you're qa testing this sort of thing and everybody says like oh the stealth's too hard so then you just make it too easy possibly but i mean the combat the combat's pretty hard because yeah, like a lot of people i think like like a bad stealth section of a game will sour them on like the whole thing for, i don't know for whatever reason like stealth is just like a trauma for so many people that have like played games that have like a mandatory stealth section it's like oh i really i can't do it because it slows the game down. And I think, yeah, it, maybe it's that stealth is a bit of an acquired taste. Like, not everyone wants to do a bunch of stealth segments that are really difficult in the middle of an action game. Like, some people like stealth games. I like stealth games. But not everyone is going to be like, yes, now I have to sneak around for, like, 40 minutes trying to figure out how to get around this area. Oh, and I can't use my use any of my weapons. Mm-hmm. most of the time you can you can choose which one you do though so like more so than like metal gear is designed to be a stealth game you, like yeah you can kind of run and gun but it's usually a very bad idea mm. and tsushima is definitely designed to be like you can do both there's a few levels like a few kind of main missions that are stealth mandatory you know where there's like like a 
mission objective is don't get caught. But a lot of times you can walk up to a place and be like, all right, do I run around and assassinate everybody or do I call them all out and then fight them? <laughs> or I usually do a combo, which I think is a kind of nice thing like that it, it's got, which is you, you, you know, you can modulate these. So I will assassinate a bunch of people and then call the rest out and fight them. So you kind of make the fight a little easier. I'm going to be interested to hear what how you play uh, uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's on, on my list. You know, I, I put some games in between playing uh, Ground Zeroes and playing uh, Phantom Pain. So. so that's Ghost of Tsushima. I might have some more thoughts on it later as I finish it. Um, you have been playing your favorite stupid game, David's Game of the Year every year. My gaudy every year all years he's back he's back and of course when david's back that means it's time to talk about pokemon it's more it's time to talk about more fucking pokemon so sit your asses down and we're gonna be talking about pokemon for a little while i, I love this game um and by love i mean i think uh sword and shield is maybe one of the weaker mainline entries but doesn't that doesn't matter yeah i mean it's like you're you're it's like your worst child but you still love them Sword and Shield might be the worst child, like, of the modern era. <laughs> um, but it had... Okay, so it had this these two DLC packages. Uh, it's called... One was called the Isle of Armor, and then the other one's called the Crown Tundra. So the recent one that came out in October is, called, uh, is the Crown Tundra, which was much anticipated because finally they were going to introduce legendary pokemon in this mainline pokemon you mean like introduce previous legendary pokemon yeah so this is embarrassing to talk about because i had such a i had such a good opinion of sword and shield before i even like heard about any of the uh, the dlc ideas but once you start thinking about it like i had a i had that feeling in my gut like they're not actually going to release dlc and then one of the dlc is just the legendaries and then they went and did a dlc that's just all the legendaries that people were asking about so essentially like sword and shield is a like a 90 dollar game it's a 90 dollar pokemon game mm-hmm. um and i've been i've been trying to like work work it out in my head like is this all right because when pokemon when a pokemon game would come out for like 40 bucks on on your game boy in a year, there was like a, a crystal edition or an emerald, and that was also forty bucks. And you also bought that because you were you were uh you were I mean you were easily scammed, right? Yeah, the word "you" is doing a lot of work there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, we all know that I'm like just easily scammed by Pokemon. So mm-hmm. so anyway, I I went into this DLC, and I'm actually I. I did not like the Isle of Ar- uh, the Isle of Armor DLC that much. I felt like the environment design was kind of bad. They made like a lot of just bad choices that made it not fun to even just wander around. Like imagine the wild area, but you just get chased around by stuff that's faster than you, and you can just trip up on like a lot of things. And it's just it, it even like looks a little bit ugly. There's like a little bit too much color to it. Uh, and it's also over in like six hours. Like you can do all the story stuff in six hours, like not even trying to rush it. And after that, it's like you're stuck because there's no legendaries to catch. It's like there was just additional regular Pokemon that you could even just trade in because Pokemon Home exists. And maybe you're like me and you're a freak and you've played every single Pokemon iteration that you can trade up to the uh, the Switch. It's like all the way from GBA to Nintendo Switch. 
Oh, they added new ones that were missing, right? Because we had talked about that, that yes. they were missing Pokemon. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I bought it, just because it had a lot of stuff that I really like, like Porygon. Like, Porygon's my favorite Pokemon. Oh, Porygon was missing. Wow. Yeah, Porygon was missing. And then DLC 1 was like, hey, we got Porygon again. And I'm like, damn, now I got to buy it. DLC 2, DLC 2 is kind of cool uh, because the environment, like something about the environment just seems like they actually looked at what, I believe was off in the first DLC, like the first DLC environment, and then just fixed like all of my minor like grievances that I had on with it. Like it makes a lot more sense to move around in. Like if you're just gonna do loops to pick up stuff, because hey, the DLC also features like really rare consumable items that cost a lot of money to buy in the main game. Um, and this is another thing where like me and um, our mutual friend from GameSpot, Callie, who we gushed for like an hour here about like, oh, wow, they've made like all these really annoying things for for the breeding mechanics, like super simple, like you don't even have to think about it anymore. Um, there's just items now that you can feed your Pokemon and like it makes it just competitive, like immediately. But those things, those are the things that you like really have to grind at. Like it's like it's not even you can't even buy them with regular currency. It's like currency that you have to acquire from uh beating people in a competitive setting so you even you already have to start out like without any sort of advantage like okay now i gotta like learn i have to like learn through all these different tabs in firefox like how do i make a competitive pokemon that will actually win in a in a competitive match so i can get the currency to make it easier for me to have competitive pokemon and then the dlc is just like no fuck it we're just gonna put these items all over the map and you're free to pick them up and they respawn every day wow Okay, so obliterated all your work. I mean, I'm I'm grateful. That's just less grinding that I have to do. I'm still going to just grind for like uh, shiny hunting and all that sort of fun stuff. It was like it was today when I realized like, wow, I could just play this game for like another year, even though I finished the DLC like way back, but I haven't caught all of the legendaries. I'm not I'm not a big legendary person. Like I've kind of come to that conclusion. Like I'm just I already have <laughs> I already have all the legendaries from the the previous games and if like the, the draw for so many people is like hey we got legendaries again but you probably already caught them like a dozen times across every version of the game is that who it's for I mean I I don't know exactly how they think about the, you know, the the Davids and the Callies, oh. right? Like the people who have caught everything already or is it for people who are kind of a little more, you know, a little more casual and they're like, "Oh cool, I can catch these Pokémon." I think they try to go for best of both worlds because if you don't have like a 3DS, it makes it really hard to catch stuff like Mewtwo or like the legendary dogs like Suicune and Entei because those are from other generations of games and it doesn't make sense to put them in this game. But they introduced the thing. You remember the raids that we could do in Sword and Shield? It's like the really big Dynamax Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. So they made a dungeon kind of like like a mmo dungeon segment where you can raid that thing with a bunch of people so you do a string of dynamax battles which are really easy like they 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 said like i don't know somebody at like game freak said like uh, okay so we're gonna make the regular dynamax battles like challenging and then this is just a distraction because at the end of that dungeon is a legendary uh, and the legendaries have like a one in 100 chance of being shiny or something like that. They have a really good chance of being shiny. So that's that's the draw for people that have, like are just insane about playing this game. Like, finally, I can get my shiny Mewtwo. 
Mm, oh, like people might not have had a shiny. Yeah, because the math, the, I mean, the math for it is like so laughable. Like you have to be a very special, dedicated kind of player to say like, I'm going to sit and grind this battle like 800 times for one shiny. <laughs> one shiny, that's not even going to have perfect stats, by the way. <laughs> right. Are there any uh, good... Like, do they have Dynamax ver- or Gigantamax versions, I guess, of those legendaries? Ooh, well, there have been leaks on Pokemon and stuff like that. Um, I would say, like, I-, I think part of me believes that they're just finished with this generation. Like, I think just Sword and Shield are done. No, but I'm asking I'm asking about in the DLC. Do they they introduce those legendaries, but they don't have Gigantamax forms. They they don't. They have Galar specific uh, forms for a few of the legendaries. Well, that, that's cool. Would any ones that I would recognize from like the the older games, first two generations? Like Moltres is now like an uber tier like competitive Pokemon because it's like a flying dark type. I don't wait. Which one is that? The fire the fire one right from yeah you remember Moltres. Yep, yep. The, all the like the, the fire ice, lightning, yeah, ice, uh, electric, and fire. But then they just they took those, they redesigned them. They actually do look pretty cool. They look a little bit edgy, I think. A little, maybe a little bit too edgy for my taste, but definitely <laughs> like refreshing because I'm like really tired of just seeing like the original three legendary birds over and over again. You will run into them in the in the in the raid dungeon but that's that's just a given like people that's just a pokemon that people expect to find now like if you take that out people would just complain oh yeah i'm looking it up because they made i guess they made they made galar specific forms for all three all three of the birds cool i think like if they want to do like a cheap like next dlc or whatever they will they will make like special gigantamax forms of these hmm but it might be at a point where like the game's kind of done people are move like ready to move on to the next one like nobody Nobody, not very few people are like seriously playing competitive Pokemon. You wouldn't even really use legendaries for that. A lot of legendaries just get outright banned, whether it's like Nintendo or whatever tournament format that you and your like Discord buddies decide to play as. Just because they're they're too high powered. Uh yeah. Like the stats have just. I think there's like a bit of power creep with some of the stats. Uh, like I think that Moltres is just. Oh no, not the Moltres. They made new. Oh yeah, remember the. You didn't play Ruby Sapphire, did you? Anyway, in Ruby Sapphire, there was um, uh, like there the legendary trio, and there were like rocks or like you know, materials, I guess. Like you had a uh, like one that was like a rock type, one that was a steel type, and one that was ice. Uh, so Reggie Rock, Reggie Steel, uh, and what did I say? Reggie Rock, Reggie Steel, Reggie Reg Ice. Uh, so that's those haven't had a refresh in a while, so. This DLC is all like, hey, we've got two new Reggies. Not, not, uh, not my body is ready, ready. But <laughs> like two, two new Reggie Pokemon. One's, um, one's electric type, and then the other one's dragon type. Which interesting. So yeah, it's so weird. Like I'm glad that they're like finally making weird Pokemon again. I'm a little upset that I had to pay like thirty dollars to go see it, but very, it's very cool. I'm very happy with it, and this, the story is kind of cute as well. Um, you help like this. Uh, you help this legendary Pokemon that has is like being forgotten by this small village in like this snowy mountain, like. It's a Pokemon that apparently like blessed their crops or whatever like that. But oh, it's it's totally like a like a story about a local Kami or something who's been neglected by the people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think what what's, what's really funny about it is like it's it's just uh it's just Pokemon the first movie Mewtwo Strikes Back. 
but with like a really nice and cuddly legendary instead of uh, Mewtwo. Because <laughs> the Pokemon actually speaks in- like it actually speaks oh. to the to the character. It's like one of like the few instances where you actually have a Pokemon that talks to you. Yeah, that doesn't really happen in the games, right? It happens in the show occasionally, right? Yeah. It's like it's really it's really weird. One of like the first like one of the few instances I think I've seen that actually happen in uh in a Pokemon game. Like the only one I can remember off the top of my head is when you're in Lavender Town and you're going up the tower and the ghost is telling you to get out. Mm. But this is like a whole storyline. So that's really cool. Last one on the list here is uh is from me and I have been watching been watching quite a bit of anime. One of them is for anime secret santa so i will uh i will not talk about that which is, that's basquash which i will be reviewing when i'm done with it but i did uh maybe a month ago or so finish watching the first season of cardcaptor sakura first season when I, what do you call a first season for that because i felt like that was just a lot of episodes not necessarily like broken up into a season it's not really broken up i just you know i had to pick a stopping point because i had to watch some other things and i'd rather not just like stop in the middle that's what i did before when i watched 10 episodes of it and put it down for like three years so i was like okay i gotta get reach some point at which the airing you know ostensibly stopped or something so i I watched up to like episode 46 or something which i think officially is like the first season and then they like started the second season after that yeah because that's a year yeah it's like just the first year of it because i think it ends with like a christmas episode and i think like I think it is a it's it's a different season because I believe they there's like one or two minor changes. Like I think the the uh what is it leave it to Caro or whatever the the post credits sequence with Caro is not in the episodes after that or something like that. Is it more close to the uh, manga story? Well, I haven't really read much of the manga. I read a, f- a volume or two of it. So I mean, you you might know that better than me. But uh, I really like the show. I When I first watched a few episodes of it, I was very impressed with the animation. It's like a really nice looking Madhouse production. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's like very pretty light stuff mostly, right? At least in the first season. I'm sure it probably gets a little darker later as it kind of builds up its like core story like the, I mean, my, the core conflict is i've read the manga it's really weird that i haven't finished the tv show like me being me but yeah 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 like the manga i want to say darker i would say like more emotional mm. so i think i think that's why they would leave out any like uh comic relief bits at the end because the story is like a little bit more about I guess like you, the characters are reaching crossroads and they're finally making decisions about what they want to do. Right, right. Uh, yeah, but it's like the characters are great, like really, really memorable characters. Um, you know, I kind of like vaguely I, I knew about some of the the main cast, but like I really like uh, what's her name? Mei, Mei Ling? Is that I think that's her name. Yeah. Mei Ling, like the uh, Shaoran's. Ugh, this is this is the part that's weird. Shaoran's cousin who wants to marry him who's like engaged to him or something it's like his cousin and fiance that's the problem with card cover sakura is it's full of extremely problematic canon ships it's uh well you know i mean wait wait until like the 15 year olds that have been going viral on twitter this month like discover card capture sakura oh man yeah there's as of the point that i'm at there is a an elementary school girl who has a crush on her teacher which okay fine that that happens but i believe what i've heard is that actually gets returned by the end of it which is a 
very bad. Sakura's mom and dad were student and teacher and then got married like right after she graduated high school. So that's not good. Uh, Tomoyo, Sakura's cousin, who is kind of basically in love with her. Then there's Sharon and his cousin slash fiance. And there's also Sakura's older brother was literally in a relationship with an adult teacher previously. It's like shown in flashback. Oh, and Sakura's also got a, a got a crush on her brother's friend. Which is, again, as long as it stays one way, it's not problematic because that's fine. That happens. Whatever, you know, little little girl having a crush on an older boy, right? <laughs> wow. I mean, I, I, it, sound, it sounds like you're working uh, on like your, your rough draft for your big uh, uh, card captor <laughs> Sakura call out post that we'll eventually be seeing on Twitter. Yeah. Honestly, I was I was fine. I'm fine with it. Whatever. It's not good, but it's like I'm enjoying the show despite it. You know what I mean? I'm not like like fuming every time it happens. Uh, it's just kind of something I roll my eyes at every time these things show up. But yeah, the the thing that's really fun about it is just that she, like when she's collecting all the the different cards, like it, it's kind of fun to see the the mixing and matching. And in that sense, it feels very similar to like something like Pokemon, right? Like kind of collecting all this stuff and then watching the character creatively reuse them to solve problems i would almost think it's more like inspector gadget but yeah i mean yeah. kind of <laughs> <laughs> but it was made in the immediate aftermath of pokemon so that was probably the thing that it was directly riffing on right what was uh oh, geez i feel like i should know this like what was like the i guess the environment for uh kids properties that were also like had a huge amount of merchandise around that time like yeah pokemon but sailor moon was also a big like that's explicitly a reference for card Cup or Sakura. I don't, I don't think they had like the like those arcade games where you could just buy a bunch of expensive cards. That yeah, that I don't know about. Yeah, like if there's a kind of card inspiration specifically, that's a good question. Because those got really big. I think they're still really big. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're very inspired by tarot cards. Maybe I don't know if there was like a, any kind of upsurge in popularity of those at the time or something. Right. Yeah, I feel like we need a. I feel like we need a clamp historian to come right, in right, here right. and like <laughs> tell us everything about like the uh, just what what it was like to release like a kids uh, a kids show uh, in Japan in like 1998, 1999. Uh, 98 is the show, but of course the manga was before that, right? Yeah. So it's it's. A lot of fun. It's it's a great. It's not the kind of thing I would marathon, right? Because it's all just just almost entirely uh, episodic vignettes, and it's just you know this episode something is going something's weird in town, and Sakura needs to you know catch the card. But it it worked really well for my like watch one anime episode while I eat breakfast every morning strategy. It's the kind of thing you can just watch a little bit of. It's not too heavy. And you just, you know, you don't you watch the next one tomorrow rather than marathoning through the whole thing. So anyway, that's Cardcaptor Sakura. Probably will have thoughts when I finish it. And that's uh, the end of our, our extended queue segment for this episode. We will wrap up here with one question from one of our patrons. Patrons get question priority. In this case, there's only one. But, uh, but that is one of the benefits that people get for subscribing at patreon.com slash anigamers. At sign Inazel on Twitter asks, uh, I'd like to hear, or not a question, but he would like to hear David's thoughts on Genshin Impact, which I have not played. I have no thoughts. Ooh. Okay, so after after I, because I, like, I saw the I saw the tweet, and after I saw the tweet, I was all like, mm, maybe I'll go install it, because for those that don't know, Genshin Impact is a free-to-play, like, 
Breath of the Wild clone gotcha game. Which is uh, unfortunately very targeted to David. You know, I've been really big on my on my FGO lately. So I've been I've been feeling like that uh that fat that fatigue, right? Like when you've just been squeezed for your, for all your free time for too long and you're kind of ready to move on to something new. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm ready to move on to a new gacha game, but I did. I installed it. I played a little bit of it up until the point where you can actually roll the gacha. I think I rolled what was like what I what I would consider like the free like the gacha that they give everybody, right? Where it's like you can roll this and you're guaranteed to get something that's good, but not like limited, like super desirable, like people will literally take out a loan to go roll for this character <laughs> like that level of gotcha now this is like just like hey just roll this and you'll get something good and you can work on what like on on later rolls later when you get more of the gotcha currency I, my first impression is oh my god too many systems and you play fake go which i think has too many systems so i was it's it's more impressive in genshin impact because it's all 3d right it's like an actual video game Right, it's not it's not just this kind of little like, you know, 2D mobile game. It it is. I've seen footage of it and I'm like, "Whoa. Okay, this is they really did ape Breath of the Wild and this is like a full 3D action game." It's uh the volume of stuff that you can do on, and are introduced to uh, for a game that's free to play. It's like, "Oh man, I really need to give this some time so i'm actually i want to go back to this and like i actually want to do talk like i want to talk about genshin impact later when i played more of it because there's so much there's so much stuff to do and learn in that thing time for gotcha correspondent david to check in with genshin impact i kind of don't want to be like resigned to the fate of having to play gotcha games but yeah (laughs) it's kind of that's kind of what I'm here for. All right, so we'll be back later with some uh, some David thoughts on on Genshin Impact and Azul. Thanks for asking. And I, I think that's it for this episode. Pretty uh pretty chill. Just just uh catching up with our, our buddy David, and we'll be back later with some with another review. We're still deciding what we're going to review next, but uh it'll be we'll we'll pick something. So yeah, that's it for us. Before we head out, uh, you can read. Articles from me on Anime News Network and from both of us in Otaku USA Magazine. A bunch of mine are on the website. I think some of yours are on there too. And then have you written anything in the magazine recently? Uh, Yeah, I wrote um, about, uh, what was it called? Sayonara Soccer or Sayonara Football from the author of Your Lie in April. Oh, yep, yep. I didn't realize that they were really big on uh on soccer they are apparently they are. apparently that like that's like their big manga now like because after your lion april wrapped up they just decided like oh we're gonna write more uh, f- uh more soccer manga is that related to or is that the same thing as farewell my dear kramer it, that's the sequel oh got it okay i'm familiar with that because i do i haven't read it but i do work with kodansha and so i you know i'm always looking at like lists of kodansha titles and i always see that <laughs> yeah it's pretty good i'm really they really got the the soccer. They got the soccer right in that, yeah. Uh, as for me, I am hosting my His Dark Materials companion podcast, Shadow Particles. Once again, uh, we're back with episode one, covering uh, covering the His Dark Materials TV series season two. Uh, David might make a return appearance. Where I'm still figuring out all my guests for this season, but but David is on the roster of potential guests. Uh, and you can find Shadow Particles at shadowparticles.club, My goofy URL for that. 
David is streaming video games every Saturday night at twitch.tv slash uwusmallbean. What are you playing? Well, after we finished playing Persona 3, you won't believe what game we moved on to next. Persona 3.5? Add up another 0.5. We're playing Persona 4. Got it. And that is with your... uh, That is with... That's with Inaki. That's with at sign alive in the wired, who's actually doing all the all the playing. I'm just there for the banter. Uh, follow at sign alive in the wired, who is also my co-host for the Any Gamers Book Club, which we record pretty often enough every month. It's a little bit more than every month, but it's not quite enough to say like yeah, twice a month. Not that consistent. Uh, that is a great show. It's a light novel review show that David and Inaki do, and it is available only on the Anygamers Patreon, patreon.com slash Anygamers. Uh, $5 gets you access to all the bonus content, including podcasts and articles, and also lets you uh, force us to watch or, or to review something, watch, read, or play something of your choice. You can listen to the book club. And we also have a, uh, a $1 tier for people who, who can't afford to move up to 5 bucks, which gets you... Uh, thank you from us, as well as uh, the ability to vote in polls. And we do have a we have polls going out for the mystery box of misery, our new column, where Ink sends us mystery box DVDs that we have to review, and our patrons help us pick which ones to inflict on everybody. I went first. My article's up on the blog. You can read that. And uh, Pat, our editor, is up next with uh, whatever. I don't know what. I don't think we've picked them. We haven't like selected them yet. But the poll, I think, is I think it just wrapped up. And so he'll have some DVDs on his doorstep soon. You can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official Anygamers Discord on anygamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast at anygamers.com. Send those anytime, and we will put them on the list to read on the show. Or you can talk to us on Twitter. I'm at sign VAMPTVO, V-A-M-P-T-V-O. David is at sign QX20XX. And Anygamers, at sign Anygamers, one word. And uh, we are on, or I'm on Mastodon. David is no longer on Mastodon because his card capture soccer <laughs> server is gone. I'm VampTVO at Mastodon.social. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Music, and Spotify. And leave us reviews, and that will help more people find the show. And if they're funny, I'll read them on the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, David, for being back on the show. Good to talk to you again. We'll see you all again in about two weeks. Later. Later.